good Tuesday evening. I don't know why it always mutes me last, but welcome to another edition of the Sideline Junkies Tuesday Night Flight. It's me, it's me, it's the big guy, KG, sitting in with probably the biggest Brooks and Dunn fan that I've ever met in my life outside of myself. He was just singing Neon Moon a little while ago. Okay. Oh, if you lose your one and only. See, that, 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 now, that's the Midnight Rider. Now, let, me, <laughs> let me say this. And I'm, I'm being quite honest when I say this. Neon Moon has to be one of the greatest unwind songs of the evening. When you've had a hard day at work, you're tired, you're worn out, and you put on Neon Moon. And you sit back, you know, you you might have a beer, you might have a, you know, little something, something in your cup, but you're sitting there, you're sipping it, you're on the back deck, on the balcony, and you're just watching the sun go down, listening to Neon Moon. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds dope, man. Yeah. I mean... I have a certain list of songs that I like to listen to in the end, at the end of the day. Like, the end of a summer day, golden time of day is probably my biggest go-to. But the end of every day is 5 o'clock somewhere and Papa Top are my two go-tos to end my day. Hmm. Let's think about this. End of the day, riding home from work. Oh, um... What's my joint? It's a classic. Um, Enchantment is you that I need. That's my that's my road song. You can get all the old man vibes. Like when I get out of the car, I'm gonna have on sandals. My socks gonna be up to my knees. They can be black. I'm gonna have some shorts on with a little Kango. Oh boy. I hope I didn't lose me. Hello. No, you keep going. You keep going. I'm oh, here. you can still hear me? Oh, yeah. okay. All right, cool, man. I wasn't sure. I'm frozen, so I was just wondering if I should just let it go. But um, yeah, nah, it's it's you that I need, and then um, payback is a dog. Mm. That's my old man getting out the car. Summertime. That's my joints. Damn. You know. You know, they say superheroes supposed to have their own theme music. You got your own, you know, when you pull oh. up, everybody know it's you just pulling up. What? So when I used to work at, um, when I was at Enterprise at the airport, it was um, Eminem. Um, what's the joint? It talks about not the ring, the pinky, but it's the, the middle. Yeah, that's that's how I felt about that, that, that space at that time. So it was that. Um, when I used to work at, in Clinton, I used to go into... Um, uh, what is that? Stevie Wonder Overjoyed. Mm. Stevie Wonder Overjoyed was a was a banger. Um, uh, what else? Oh, Sam Cook get some bump. Um, what else about the morning songs that I, oh, how can I not say this? Raheem Devon, guess who loves you more? That is a mm. cr- that's a morning crank for me. I'm, people be like, yo, how you start your day with? I'm like, yo, it's just the song, man. It's the vibe from the song. You know what I'm saying? You got to tell a chick, you know, pinky swear. I always be there. You know what I'm saying? See, I got I got, I got a list too. 
pull up Trouble Man by Marvin Gaye. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. I used to pull up, and my aunt used to say, I already knew it was you because I heard Trouble Man. Yeah, that's me. Then, you know, it evolved. Now, when I used to work in Forsville, I used to pull up on Saturday mornings with the window, all four windows down, because I didn't live but four or five minutes away, so all I had to do was start the, start the song when I walked out and I left out the parking lot. By the time the song got to the climax, I was at work. Temperatures rising by Raheem Devon. And okay. I, I'm talking about that thing was beating. Everybody was like, well, damn, what happened to you last night? Don't even worry about it. We're going to do these four and get a body. I got to go to the gym. So what about um, you a big fan? Since you do some Raheem out there, you a big fan of um, uh, Ridiculous? Of course. Okay. Yeah. And then I forgot my ultimate classic because now if I'm if I'm like got an interview or I gotta dress up, go tell mom come here real quick. I gotta I gotta play um walk on by Isaac uh, Hayes. You said who Isaac Hayes walk on by? Yeah, sir. Because you gotta see. get that build up. Yeah. Now see, I, I like to Raheem Devon. I have a thing with my wife, and I always say. The soundtrack of our love was written by Gerald Levert and Raheem Devon. And it's one particular song that I love. I used to, we had a second floor balcony. I used to pull to the back of the the back of the building where our balcony faced. And I would always turn the song on. I let all the windows down, open up all the doors, and I would play Infinity. Mm. Mm. I can do life forever if the crime was loving you. I know that's right. That's that's a dope, yo. That's one of the dopest lines he got. And I, 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 I she's standing here, and I, I tell her that that song right there. I said I would pay if every day I could have you walking down the aisle to that song. I said I probably wouldn't be able to contain my emotions, but if I could pay every day to have you walk down the aisle to that song, life is great. That's what's up, man. And Ross is in here. What you making tonight, Ross? He he making dinner. I'm glad you could join us. What you making tonight? Uh, how did that chili turn out? Are we having chili dogs tonight? That, 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 that's that's the question. Are we doing chili dogs tonight? <clears throat> oh well, we gotta get into this thing as well. Cause we didn't talk about music. We'll end this thing. We'll start it with music. We'll end it with go. music. Oh, oh. Oh, breakfast for dinner. Oh, oh, we got to go to Ross' house. See. Oh. oh, breakfast for dinner. Oh, man. Oh, no, we, I, look, I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole because you know, if you've listened to this show, you watch this show, you know how it is. We start talking about food. <laughs> oh, mm. oh, that sounds delectable. Oh, my God, breakfast for dinner. This gave me an idea. I, I think I got dinner for Friday. Nope, that's dinner for Thursday. Because Friday, I'm, I'm making some fish. I got to make some fish and potatoes on Friday. Uh Oh. The, the Tribe Called Quest on the movement album that opens up the J.P. Finley shows. Show. That's another one. I can't think of the name of it right now off the top of my head. But I'll figure it out. Go ahead. The simple fact that you brought up the tribe, y'all, it's live, y'all. 
Oh, we brought this guy uh, last week. Um, Umi says, most deaf. That's gotta be. A, that's definitely a morning song. Yeah. Well, see, mine was. <laughs> oh, the chili dog. It all turned out okay. Of course it did, because that's you did it. That's why it turned out good. Uh, Miss Fat Booty. Okay. That's like my 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 joint. I was listening to that. What day was that? It was. Matter of fact, the day that I was on on location, I was driving around, and I was listening to Miss Fat Booty right before we got on. It's like whenever I'm going to the grocery store, that's always what I'm listening to. Yeah, um, hey, we can get happy. I, I can't say we can't get ecstatic, and we. I don't look. T-shirts are being sold for events. Burgundy and sold. Uh, Daniel Snyder's trying to get things situated with his issues with the NFL so he can get rid of this team. Uh, the end is near. And I've never thought that phrase would bring me so much joy. It's like we've been in a bad storm that we've had peaks of sunshine over the last 24 years. We've had peaks of sunshine, but it never lasted. It's been mostly dreary and dark and cloudy. If you remember that episode of uh, Married with Children, when they had to kill all the Bundy men and lower Uncton so the sunlight could shine, that's what it's like being under Daniel Snyder for the last 23 years. We live in lower Uncton. We mad at upper Uncton, which is Dallas, who's had more success in the last 20 something odd years. And we're mad at them, but we in the darkness. But it seems like there's light on the horizon. So, so every time I look at this, I feel like, like I feel like Wally Coyote at times. Like, like I just don't think anything else is coming. Like, you know how he paints the 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 um the wall, and it looks like a tunnel, and like the roadrunner goes through it, and then he tries to go through, and he just runs into the wall. That's what it feels like being a Commanders fan, or like you buy a bunch of stuff for Acme. And it always ends up blowing up on you. That's that's being a Commanders fan. I, I I can't deny that. Like like somebody made this analogy. And it's the perfect one. It's like when he puts out the trail of gunpowder to light up the dynamite, and like he can see it go around the corner, and he knows it's supposed to blow up, but it doesn't. And then like it comes around, and then like he just turns around, and boom, right there. That's the Daniel Snyder era. Can you honestly say that you're ready to jump? That I, We can't jump for joy. Until it's official, we can't jump for joy. We jump for joy prematurely once. We can't do it again. I keep telling you, I'm not good until I see, like, the deposit hit. Like, I want them to show me a picture of Dan Snyder's bank account with him and his Tims, you know what I'm saying, on the boat. Like, I need that type of thing, man. I don't. But here's the, here's the thing. You know he's going to sell his thing. Because he's, I heard he sold his home in Potomac. Right. Well, he's so trying he's, to. He's, he's going to be out of Dodge. Now, yeah, here's the thing. Let, let, me, let me ask you this. Because you may remember, I know that the, the sale of the team, which is a record at the time, was $800 million. $800 million. 
Mm-hmm. How much of that money did he put in off break? Because he he had investors, he had a group. How well, much there's even a crazier story off of that. Um, thanks to the the endless, the mind of, what's the word I'm looking for? The endless pit of knowledge that is Rick Snyder on DC Sports. Um, he talked about the fact that when the deal fell apart with Milstein, that um, FedEx Fred is what they call him, was thinking about making a counter offer. And for some reason, Fred didn't, and Snyder jumped in and caught him, caught, I guess he was trying to prepare the offer, and Snyder just jumped in and was able to get the team over him. But FedEx Fred was really in position and was ready to bid a billion for this franchise. So, I mean, that, that's one of the ultimate what-ifs in this world. Mm. That goes into the what-if um, Hall of Fame of what-ifs for us as fans. And Ross says, us fans have battered spouse syndrome. We ain't trusting nobody until the little troll sails away. <laughs> I agree with that. Damn it, I agree with that. And it's like, you you want to give... Hold on. Hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. It's funny that you said, he said that. Because I used to have a post every once in a while during football season, like after they did something stupid. And I was like, the Redskins don't love you. Well, no, the Redskins don't have to hit you to know they love you or show they love you. Some crazy shit like that. And I used to post it all the time. So if it's in with Ross's bad spouse syndrome. Here's my thing. You try to give Daniel Snyder the benefit of that doubt. And I've learned over these last 23, 24 years, you can't get hyped up over little things i remember even this is before snyder i remember getting hyped up what was that 97 we lost the first game to the eagles reeled off seven straight first in the nfc east is that nausea yeah and we went one that was with gus too not this year don't do this to me dog what Cause is this the year that Boomer threw for like two thousand yards in two games? No, no, no. That was a uh, that was ninety five, ninety four. I remember those two games. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry, man. Hold on. Let me make sure I got this right. Cause uh, there's one where we started like seven and one, but we ended eight and eight. Yeah. No, that <laughs> I'm sorry. Ninety seven was eight seven and one. That was, we if we didn't have that tie with the Giants. We would have uh we would have uh been all right. But that tie with the Giants messes up. Let me make sure I got this right. Nine and seven. Is this the year? Regular season. Oh. But yeah. I mean it was ninety six. I'm sorry. It was ninety six, what ninety seven. Ninety six we started seven and one. Lost to the Eagles, seventeen fourteen, but then we reeled off. Seven straight victories, beating the Bears, the Giants, the Rams, the Jets, the Patriots, the Giants again, the Colts. Then we go up to Buffalo and get shellacked, 38-13. That Arizona game, oh, my God. Please, please, please give me a box on that. Is that the Arizona game? Yes, that is the nightmare. That's the 514 and, like, 
and or four thirty seven. It's something crazy. He went crazy for two games. Yeah, we basically uh, got him paid that year if he was a free agent. Yeah, because and I remember the I remember the headline in the sports section was uh, Arizona lowers the boomer. Right, and it's crazy because that year Arizona was still in our division. Right, and. Division wise, we were uh what were we in the division? We beat the Eagles. If we would have won one of those Arizona games, we would have made the playoffs because Arizona kept beating us on kicks. I do remember that. Heartbreaking. But if we won one of those Arizona games, we would have uh, made the playoffs. And that's all we wanted at that time to make the playoffs. But I stopped believing in the moves that this team made or any team for that matter, because how many times did we sign a big free agent, have a great draft pick? I remember when they was talking about Dallas Sarts and HB blades and all these people, they, Oh, they some these guys look so great in training camp and they didn't bust a great, you get hyped up about them and they don't bust a great, you know, you get, we had the fortune 500 Redskins under Daniel Snyder. He tried to buy a championship in 2000. And it did not work. I mean, you brought Bruce Smith here. I think Dion, Dion got what he needed, and then he pretty much discarded the the, the burgundy and gold pinstripe suit in the corner and walked out with the money. You had some structure with uh, Marty Schottenheimer. Yeah, you had structure. You ended that to bring in Steve Spurrier. Steve Spurrier was like, well, we're going to go with six wide receivers. Well, Steve, you can't go with six wide receivers because that means you're going to be down to offensive linemen. But we don't only need four offensive linemen to block. When he said that, I knew we were doomed. I knew we were doomed when they signed him. I mean, I thought it would be exciting. But he's – if you know me, there are certain coaches that I don't respect because they always have talent. So their talent is better than their coaching. And they don't have to coach. They don't have to manage the, the small things because they got better players. That's kind of how I feel about Urban Meyer. He just had better talent. And because he had better talent, he wins. And that's what the ball coach was. Go, going back to the boomer, <laughs> he threw for the fifth best passing yardage in NFL history, 522 yards. Mm-mm-mm. That was the, the the first game, I believe. Five twenty two, five twenty two. He killed us. He shredded us. But my 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 point is, you don't get hyped up about the moves that, especially when Daniel Snyder wanted to be Jerry Jones so goddamn bad, and everybody was like, he don't want to be Jerry Jones. Yes, he does. He want to run everything. He want to be. He want to be the Don. But he want to be John Gotti instead of being Paulie from Goodfellas. You see what I'm saying? And if you don't get that reference, Paulie from Goodfellas sat back and everybody came to him. Paulie didn't move fast because Paulie didn't move fast for anybody. Right. John Gotti, the reason why John Gotti got caught, because he was holding meetings. Everybody had to come meet up to John Gotti. John Gotti talked on the phone. He wanted to do it the old way. You couldn't do it the old way anymore. You couldn't. You shouldn't be talking on the phone. 
Paulie didn't believe in phones. He didn't have one in his house. That's why Paulie never got caught. Daniel Snyder wanted to be John Gotti. He wanted to be Daniel. He wanted to be uh, Jerry Jones. That's what he wanted to be. Well, that's that's the guy that kept him around for as long as he did. Yeah, I truly believe that Dan Snyder lasting this long was because Jerry wasn't fed up yet. And then at a certain point, Jerry got fed up. I don't know if it was after the picture um, at the stadium or what, but it wasn't too short or too long for that. And that's when everything just started falling apart. And Ross says, every year we drink the Kool-Aid, they get kicked in the sack. Every year we believe that this year we're going to be headed back to being a respectable franchise. Charlie Brown and Lucy sum up being a Washington fan under Snyder. Yank the damn ball away every damn time. Yep. And I agree. I agree. It's, it's like we are. I think we need. We all. This we need a council session. Derby. Yeah, yeah, we need yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we need it. That's what we need. Because we are. Because I think the sad thing is. This guy is only going to get. He's going to get his honeymoon for this year. Because he can't really make any moves. He's going to get a freebie next year. And this is all while trying to figure out if. He can if he can get a stadium deal done. So I think that's gonna be his thing. I think if he can get a stadium deal made up or put together in two years, then he'll be okay. But after two years, if there's no signs, then I think that's where our problem begins. And that's gonna be where the patient starts wearing thin. And it's gonna be all right, what's up with this guy? Guess what? Go ahead, talk to me. It's not even gonna be two years. We are so stalled for a winner. It's going to be, well, why is he not making any moves? It's, I guarantee you, and it happens every single time. Any new piece comes into this organization, why is he not making any moves? Why is he not doing this? Why are we not winning? This is what happens. What, if it's a player, well, case in point, Colt Brennan. Why are they not playing Colt Brennan? Look at what he did against the Jets. Why are they not signing Marcus Mason? They're preseason warriors. I think Colt Brennan with a little bit of coaching could have been great because he knew how to – June Jones had him throwing that rock around in Hawaii. And yeah, but see, when they when, – when see, the problem with place, places like that is when guys come from a simplistic system and they get into stuff with, with verbiage, like they get they get as lost as the um, – as, as, as the um, – well, they get lost in the concepts. Oh, you know, like he should like, – Right, right. I mean, and if you've seen, this is why you got to watch the quarterback series if you haven't started watching it yet. There's, I think it's either episode three or four, where um, they start spitting out play play calls. So it's Mariota, Cousins, and um, who's the big Pat Mahomes. So they just like the, the episode opens like, like, yeah, we study, and then it's like triple wide jet, uh, forty four cushion razor. I don't know, spanky to the to the Y, whatever. You know, um 74 trips, why shallow cross, flip, whatever, whatever. You know what I'm saying? And it's like those are the words in the play. You gotta remember because the first part is the formation, the second part is um the protection, and then everything else is like what everybody else does. So you gotta listen for your part. And I think when guys come from systems where it's like, especially in like a June Jones system, to me doesn't doesn't seem like it's that complicated. It's running, yeah. It's running, shoot. So you're keeping it very simplistic because 38, like, so 
in college, um, they had like a, a a team. We had like a club team, and they ran the run and shoot. And like, I was on the offense for a couple of days. I didn't stay long because I didn't really want to do it after a while. Um, but like our play sheet was like eight plays, but every play, like if you were in the slot, you had seven routes on the same play. And it was all based on where the where the linebacker sat, where the safety sat. It was all craziness, man. So I can only imagine. What whatever happened to goal line, I wing 70 chip on two. That's not that's not <laughs> no, no, it's nope. golf jet stream. Right, Y two spider banana light bulb, uh, uh, uh jet sweep, backside yeah. George reverse on two on two. Right, like, what? Check check Sp- spider two Y banana spider two. <laughs> like even e- even the, the 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 verbiage for audible, right? Is whatever happened to coming up to the line looking over? Black 59 Razor, Black 59 Razor. I even know what that is. I know what Black 59 Razor is. That's you all of them into a post down the middle. So. In the West Coast offense it is. Right, right, right. I know what you're talking about. You got to get the Ross comment because this, this is the classic of audibles. Oh, yeah. Omaha. Omaha. And Omaha can mean so many different things. So when we used to play flag ball, I had a drink. I'm claiming mine before before Omaha came out. So I used to say Tango. And I used to love it because one of my boys that played wide receiver, he would look and he'd give me a head nod and like always take two steps in, no matter what. No matter what. It was nothing. It meant absolutely nothing. But we would just call it. And I just like like to see what people would say or would do. Um, I, I bullshit you not. I don't even know if my sons remember this. We used to be in the house. Like when I had my own place, Bachelor Pad, my living room was wide open. I just had two sofas and a and a, a coffee table. So when I when I got rid of the coffee table, because I didn't want them jumping on the coffee table, so I got rid of the coffee table, gave them some space to jump. We would play football in the living room and in the dining room. And okay. they would play center. So I would get in shotgun. I would call the play. The play was trips left, shot shotgun trips left. Uh what the fuck was the play? Shotgun trips left. Y sixty nine post, uh something six eight nine, six eight nine hook. That was a play. So when I would come up to the line, my youngest son, he was like two or three at the time. He would get down, and I look, and I'm like Leo fifty six, Leo fifty six, and he would take his left hand, he would point to the middle. <laughs> so he knew Leo. I need you to shift everything to the left. I forget what was, what was the right. I forget the audible to shift everything to the right. It was like an R word. It would shift everything to the right. Nico, probably. Yeah, but then everything tight was tango. Right. But we had dummy all. I like. I taught these kids. What was it? Red ninety eight. Red ninety eight. That's what it was. That was the <laughs> uh, right. I'm impressed that he remembers that. Yes, it was shift everything to the right, block to the right, because that's where the blitz coming from. And then. I told my I told them both. I said when you I said when you got to change it, you audible you change that thing, and it's like you make up a dummy call. And I, I was like, okay, it's a dummy call. It means nothing. He can really take off and run. It was a straight QB draw. I said nobody's gonna expect that. 
I took them outside and they did that against other kids and was dominating. <laughs> I said, I know it, but I love the audibles, man. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Moving on. Because we can sit here. I don't even know how we got there. Jeez. I don't either, man. <laughs> we don't even have corn dogs. I don't even know how we got there. Um, if you had to choose three moments that define the Snyder era, it can be good, bad, or indifferent. All right. So I've kind of been toying with this all day. Um, I think number one is the Joe Gibbs reunion tour. That's one. Two is the Schottenheimer firing or the Schottenheimer year, period. Um, because there's rumors that Schottenheimer was pretty much gone after training camp. Um, he wasn't getting another year after that. So one, two. I think the RG3 trade is three. I, I got five. I think I got five. Because I can't because no, nah, because it's so much that I want to I got. Four, which would have been one, but four is the turning down or bullshitting with Larry Hogan when he had that deal for them to go over there by the harbor. Because it was pretty much done. He wasn't had to come out of pocket with a whole bunch of money, but he decided to mess around, go back to Virginia, and try to get every last drop from Virginia. And this was Bruce, part of Bruce. And when that happened, Hogan came out in the press conferences like, you're not going to use us to raise the price or whatever. So you either take our deal or you don't take our deal. And that's as far as we're going. Um, and I think five is the hiring of Bruce Allen. Now, but here's the thing. If, if four happens, we're not here. Yeah, there's there's a me and you in the quantum verse or the multiverse that knows a world where there is a stadium in in the harbor, and they're still stuck with Dan Snyder. They can't talk about it because the stadium piece has been taken care of. That's really the reason he's out. Okay. Damn, do I have? I might have five, but I'm on. I'm along the different lines because it's not all about. The negativity. I wasn't being. I didn't mean to be negative, but I'm just saying you can do what you got to do. Uh, <laughs> number one has to be. I, I got to agree with you with the Gibbs reunion tour. Uh, January 2004. Uh, that week alone, that was January 8th. Yes, that was January 8th when Gibbs signed. If I'm not mistaken, it was either seventh or the eighth. I think it was the eighth. Because Dario, his mom, was in labor with him, and I was watching it in the in the, in the uh, delivery room. Joe Gibbs press conference. I was like, okay. And it's like three things happened in twelve hours that I knew it was something special about this kid. Joe Gibbs signed back to the Redskins. He was born, and then it snowed right after. I was like, it's something special about this boy. Something special about him. I don't know what and it is. Also, Cool Ranch, the Rip Nam joking. <laughs> uh, but bringing Gibbs back was number one. The way that he rallied the team 
and well help rally the team and his response after sean taylor's death was two because he he could have just been like i don't give a fuck you know ain't gonna bring him back but he he took the forefront on a lot of that and dealt with a, a, a the brunt of a lot of things and he behind closed doors what i'm hearing allegedly is he blames himself for that because he was the one that said it was okay for sean to go back to florida to rehab gibbs didn't want him to go gibbs wanted him to stay in virginia but he made it so he could go back to florida to check on the house so there's that uh but the way he handled that and i, I can't imagine him walking around with that amount, amount of pain because that's a, that's a lot uh three sort up so it's gibbs is one gibbs one the way the reaction to sean taylor's death okay 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 so you you made that a separate piece okay yeah All right, cool uh and then also in there with gibbs monday night miracle let's name it monday night miracle i mean my mother threatened to put me out that night she's like i gotta go to work if you don't take your black ass to bed <laughs> that day man i know for that day i had a because i was so pissed at the game like i had we had two we had a love seat sofa and the tv's in the middle and there's a table in the middle and like it was like i was playing madden because it was so close like i had pulled a chair in the middle of the living room and i'm sitting in the chair and i'm like this watching the game and then like the first so i'm i'm cussing everybody out everybody's terrible this is god awful and then the first one goes up and i'm like wait a second so i'm hyped now i got and i even think i had the front door open i'm yelling i'm screaming i'm I'm pounding my uh, whatever. So then they come back and they hit the they hit the second one. Ah, oh, bruh, I feel sorry for anybody who had to work the next morning. I was in that joint going off. That I I think that and the, uh, when McNabb beat Dallas, McNabb. I, that, was a, that was a Monday night game. It was just big because we beat Dallas, and you still Dallas, wasn't. Um, you sure that's not the Colt McCoy and the Brashard Breeling game? No, no. This one, but this is at FedEx. It was a Monday night. Okay, okay, okay. So this had to be, this is McNabb's only year here. So that's I like 2011 my, or 2010, one of those years. I had my door open. I had my balcony door open. And I could hear my neighbor talking about, yeah, yeah, big cowboy fan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so all you hear in the courtyard, you hear the cowboy fan. Then all of a sudden they got quiet. And then you heard somebody come outside and fuck Dallas. How y'all like us now? And that's what that was somebody or is that somebody on the show? No, 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 no. Okay, I'm just checking. I, I was I was yelling too loud that it was it, it was coming back, it was holding. Game over, we good, we won this. That was my thing. Okay. But uh my third moment that defined the scandal that scandal is going to be a stain on his jacket for the mm. rest of his life that's something that defined the cesspool that was created at redskin park 
the only only I like that, and I probably would have had it if we went to ten. That would probably be six or seven. Um, wow, that's 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 because because that kind of became their story became the impetus of getting. They put us here on the precipice of getting rid of Dan Snyder. Because that, of course, the emails with Bruce Allen brings us to them having the congressional hearing. And then, boom, there we go. Um, we're right there talking about it. And we're dealing with it. So, yeah, that, all right. I, mean, I like that. I like that. That's a strong three. Yeah, I couldn't. I, I could have went to five. It's and easy. Had, That's the sad thing. It's too easy. Yeah. And if, but if I had to go four, uh, the way he handled RG three. Let me rephrase that. Let me bring that back. No, that's the right way to say it. Mm-mm. The way he meddled with player personnel because it wasn't okay. just RG three. It was him, Clinton Porter's, uh, Haskins. Haskins. The way he meddled. And I can't think of the gentleman's name. God, I can't think of his name. But he was saying it was a player. He was like, no, that's not the player we need right now. He walked out of the war room because Snyder was like, this is who I want. And he wound up quitting, allegedly, a couple of weeks later. But he was actually fired. Because he was talking about Morocco Brown. Dog's boy. Doc love Morocco Brown. But if you notice, if you notice, all the good people that were here, like uh, Tony Wiley. Tony Wiley left the organization. Tony Wiley's a good dude. That's, well, hold on. Let's get back to, all right, so you there's talk that there was, there became friction between Gibbs and Snyder, part of, which helped part of the reason why Joe left. Because he was just done with it. Okay. Um, there's the infamous again, we gotta give I gotta give credit to Rick Snyder. Um, there's the infamous when he fired Cassidy. Dan Snyder called Bobby Bethard, off him the job as a GM. Bethard said, I gotta think about it. According to Snyder, Rick Snyder, not Dan Snyder. Dan Snyder calls Bobby Bethard back. Or his lawyer calls Bobby Bethard back later on. And this is all just what hearsay from what I heard from Rick Snyder. Um, and he told Bobby Bethard he had an hour to let him know what he was going to do. And then every 10 minutes, the lawyer called. Hey, it's 10 minutes in. You know what you want to do? All right, you got 50 minutes left. 20 minutes in. It's 20 minutes in. You know what you're going to do? You got 40 minutes left. So by the time they got on the other side of that 30 minutes, when that 40 minutes in and 20 minutes left came up, Bobby Bethard told him where he could take that job and shove it. And that's why you didn't have Bobby Bethard. Like, there's so much stuff that this guy screwed up. Yeah. There's Bobby Bethard. There's, there's Brian LaFamina. Because you wouldn't have Jason Wright if he had stayed with LaFamina. But the problem was LaFamina was being personal and very public and he was trying to fix the things that Dan Snyder would messed up. But Dan Snyder didn't want that to happen. 
he didn't want a great relationship with the media or whatever it was, but he ruined the La because La Famina was sent here from the league. Just like Jason Wright is here from the league. That's like Ron Rivera is here from the league. The league has said, all right, we don't trust you to hire somebody that's competent. Here's our suggestion. Go with our suggestion. <laughs> I got another one for you. The hiring of Vinny Serrato. I got an even better one for you. The hiring of Jim Zorn. That's the, that's the one I was going to go to next. Because because how do you – I mean, think about this. It's, all right, we're going to – you're the you're the offensive coordinator. And then he they dropped the Jim Fossil balloon to see if he was going to land. And when that thing got shredded, popped, and kicked, and thrown over the – and the pitches – I mean, the torches – and um, pitchforks came out. He was like, "All right, I gotta readjust." But the job was so toxic that nobody wanted it. Exactly. But so, so, so think about it. He says, "Yo, go get a suit." What? Go get a suit. You hired him as your offensive. A, you hired him as your offensive coordinator before you hired your coach. Then you hire him as your coach because you ran out of options for a head coach. But you hadn't. Hold on, stop right there. Now I know where you better go, Greg Williams. Hold on, let's let, let, let me get into the comments first, and then we're gonna dive into that real quick. Um, Ross says they had good people in the building; they chased them away. Exactly, exactly, all of them. Think about the stuff we don't know. I don't think a book can be written to tell us the stuff we don't know because you can't even put it all in there. All right, so here's what I said. Swinging gate. That's what we say. <laughs> that will go down in infamy. So think about this would never be. Now think about it. You named, I named five easy. Ross has named at least four easy. You had different th uh, three that kind of, we kind of intertwined, but we didn't really. Like this saga, it, it's going to be a, it's going to be the last dance for owners. That's what it's going to be. Let, let, let me it's say going to be, It's going to be called Surviving Snyder. <laughs> 30 for 30. Yeah. But now we talk about Snyder fumbling the bag. Oh, if it was first 48, it could be the birdie, burgundy and gold, but the body goes cold. First 48. I'm sorry. There it is. I like that. But here's how he fumbled the bag, especially with that zone thing. The whole deal was when Gibbs decided to hang it up, everything went to Greg Williams. So you had continuity in the building. We had a top 10 defense. Offense was struggling a little bit, but it needed some revamping. That could happen because Gibbs was still trying to play 80s ball, and it worked to a certain extent, but the game was different. It was no more power running. You couldn't run trade 25 times a game. And we had Al Saunders' 800-page playbook. Yeah. And then you bringing in Al Saunders. You bring in uh, – later on under Zone, you bring in Sherm Lewis to call plays. You took his play calling duty away from him. Like, Zone was so miserable. He wanted to quit. You know why he didn't quit? Because he probably didn't want to lose that money. No, his his wife told him, you bet not quit this job. It's the most money you've made in your whole entire yeah. career. You bet not be, uh, quit this job. But one thing I can say about the Zorn hire, 
this is the best thing to come out of it. And people say I'm getting crazy for saying this. Jason Campbell had his best season. He had his best season as a pro under zone. Mm. But here's my thing. So, so, so you, you gonna get, go ahead and get mad at me now? Zone has a track record. No, it's not that. It's not that. It's not that. Blacko, Hasselback, Campbell, any, any, uh, 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 not that. Kansas City. What was that? Alex Smith. Best seasons as a pro when Jim Zone is your quarterback coach. Yeah, that's kind of when I. I love Santana, but that Jason Campbell year, he uh that season he hurt Jason Campbell a couple times. Now I don't know if it was just he wasn't in the flow of the offense, but he dropped a couple bunnies on him. Mm. But that's just the fan to me. So we're gonna get past that. Let's get past that. Cause I don't want I don't want that conversation. I don't want that smoke. Well, speaking of Santana, what was that? Was that under that was under Jay? That he was inactive almost every week. Best receiver on a team, and he was inactive almost every week. But at that time, he it was the end. Um, like his was, end was really the um the Shannon Anhan era when he was in the slot. Um, like he could do things and get things, but yeah. But you, you, you know what? Like, I think actually, if you go back to 2012, I think Santana had. I think he had six touchdowns that season. Oh, I, I, I'll find it for you. Cause I, I know he had the Jets touchdown. I'm mean, not the Jets, the Giants touchdown. He had the Eagles one. He had one against the Cowboys. 2012. Santana Mall, 16 games, 16 starts, only 41 receptions, 543 yards. He had eight touchdowns that season. There you go. I knew he had because that year he was his one of his higher totals for touchdowns. Because yeah. he was, they used him a lot in when he was in the slot. He got they used that little corner route. Um, yeah, and him the the chemistry that him and RG three had the, the chemistry that RG three and Pierre Garcon had. Even Niles Paul, uh, what was his name? Uh, Audrey Robinson, Anthony Anderson. I think was it Anthony Anderson Triple A. Anthony Armstrong. Anthony Armstrong Triple. That's the one they call Triple A. The way he used to find those guys deep and hit them in stride. This is why that was, I that say that's part, of the, that's part of the, the Kyle Shanahan offense. And it, it worked great. But, you know, like they, they always had. And if you look at San Francisco now, there's always a guy that can just run faster than the wind. Um, it used to be Ricky James, who was with the Giants last year. I forgot who he signed with this year. Um he had Aldrick Robinson in San Francisco for a minute. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. You, you you know why that was so successful in 2012, why he was able to throw like that? You going to give Alfred Morris some love? No. I, I mean, much as I love Alf, the glowworm is my man. But it was because of the threat of the run. All right. That's why that play action, to be able to be in a pistol and you fake it to Alfred and you take two steps in it. Linebackers freeze. The DM freeze because they're trying to contain. Don't let them get out of the pocket. Then all of a sudden, the DBs come up. Oh, shoot, they behind us. And all he got to do is flick his wrist. You know, he arm strength is out the gym. Oh, no, nah, I remember this kid. So, so I was on Robert. Week one, they play. I'm in a bar. They're, I'm watching BYU Baylor. Um, 
And I just see, I saw him the year before, but I saw him get hurt. And I see this kid 10. I'm like, A, automatically like him because number choice. But that's a whole different story for another show. And then B, I'm watching them play. I'm like, yo, I say that season, I think that's 2011, that college football season, I have a top five. When my memories come up, I'm going to make sure I post it. I said Robert Griffin III is winning the Heisman. I called it. Because when I saw him that game, it's like there's nothing like him. And, like, it's funny because people try to call me a hater of Robert, but, dog, if you understand the amount of film work I did on Robert, bro, that summer after we drafted him, I'll never forget the trade. So, oh, hold on. That might be one of the biggest moments that we forgot is the Robert Griffin Jr., Robert Griffin III trade night. Because I know for a fact, the radio stations, they had to have overnight shift when that trade was done. They, dog, I think my boy called me at like midnight or one o'clock. I'm at my girl's place in on Waldorf. I get out of the bed, go downstairs, turn on NFL Network, and he and I are on the phone for like two hours talking about this trade. So that that has to be in the top five. It just just the trade itself. Like I think you have to separate the trade from the saga. Yeah. But here's the thing. That you gotta you gotta throw that in there too. The way that when I say handle personnel, the way I decided with, with, with RG3. He always sided with the player unless yeah. it was the only time he didn't side with the player was when they messed up Lavar's deal, and I think that was garbage. Um, who else was one of his boys that he just kind of oh, and the Trent Williams, yeah, he turned on Trent at the end. Like everybody talks about him being mad, supportive about the getting them the, the treatments and all that, but at the end, they're honestly number six, seven, or eight. One of these numbers has to be the sheer pettiness of the organization. Yes. Because it has cost them, you got nothing for, you got a third round pick for Kirk as a compensatory pick when the year before San Fran offered you a one. You got a third round pick for Trent when there's no way you shouldn't have gotten no one for him. But because, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Now, this is just, just, just jump off subject a little bit because you asked me a question on Thursday. You said in the last 10 years, talent that's left here that and, and you know produced elsewhere. There's your two right there, Kirk and Trent. I don't have to go no further than that. But that's that's all right. I know what you're saying. So so then your three would be Lorenzo Alexander. One man game. But I all right, so that's that's three. You don't you, you good? You you just dropping the mic. You like a poet that just dropped some dope lines. He was just like, didn't the Rams send out all the players in that draft for the coin toss they played the Redskins? Yes, they did. I was at that game. Well, but you know what? The funny thing about that, Jeff Rams never played. finished over eight and eight in that whole stretch. Yeah, and so you can bring up the draft picks all you want, but you still you but, didn't win. But hold on. 
I'm that sorry. game. I remember that game. Colt McCoy. Now I don't think Kirk played that game. I think Colt McCoy played that game and was getting dismantled. They finally put RG3 in and the ball started moving, but it was too late by then. I was at the top of the stadium. My sister took me to that game. It was out of all the games that I ever went to, Redskin games that I ever went to, that was the first game I went to that they lost. Wow. That was the first game I went to, and I was distraught. I was up at the top of the stadium walking around. I was like, Young, put Robert in the game. I'm coaching from the stands. Everybody looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, y'all sitting down, man. Y'all got to get up, do something, get behind this team, man. People was like, man, won't you sit down? I was like, won't you fight me? <laughs> I, I, I was angry. Nah, I feel bad because there's an old guy when I used, like, so I was in my twenties. So you know, I, I got a little. I had a tendency to get a little excited, not much, but a little excited. And um, yeah. I would, yeah. Mm. I see a nice little crack back, especially Darrell Young. Oh, Darrell Young used to catch somebody every week. Yeah. Oh my God. But go ahead. Let's let's. I mean, but, are we still in the three defining moments? I don't know where we I, at. I, I, I think we got them. I think uh, we got twenty right now. I think we got the top twenty. We, we, we way past three. Yeah. But uh, last segment. We started off talking about music. We're gonna end this up talking about music. Um, this is the hip hop moment we promised. We talked about most death and Edwin being at the uh, the Erica Badu concert last Tuesday, and he was talking about so underrated. I'm not gonna say underrated. We're not gonna talk about that top tier. When you talk about your Tupac's, your Biggies, your Jay Z's, uh, Nas, um, your Kanye's, we're not talking about that. We talk about Eminem, what everybody has in that next tier, the ones you you know people don't. You got to be what I like to call. My wife hates when I say this, but you you got to be aquatic enough to listen to them. You know, if you wow, I like that term. I like that term. You know, you you can't understand them. Like in in, in that vein, we got most deaf. You got J Cole. You got Kendrick Lamar. It's people that actually can't stand these guys, and I'm like, wow. what is that's lyricism. I'm glad I, I'm glad that wasn't my three. Jesus, you just almost obliterated my list. <laughs> I, I'm gonna tell you a great, great story. So, I'm in my car. I'm coaching basketball at Don Bosco. Um, shout out to my boys Frank Simpson, Justin Cottrell, and I got this kid Jordan Lyles. If you're in the music, Jordan Lyles is on Apple Music. Kids are dope artists. Before I knew he was going to be an artist, he was in my car one day because I used to always take him home from practice. He was like, Coach, you a music guy. What you know about J. Cole? I was like, I don't know nothing about J. Cole. So I think, because this is the CD era. So I can't remember if I bought a CD, he burnt me a CD. I don't know how it is. But I ended up getting J. Cole, the first album. Now that time in my car, if your album was dope, the way you out, like it was almost like earning platinum. If your your CD lasted in my car for a month with no interruption, that's your version of going platinum in my car. And and, and that CD, what's the one? I forgot the name of it. It's this. It's not the. Is it the first one? I don't know which one it is. But whenever I got introduced to J Cole, it was like 
on and popping. And that kid introduced me to him. And like, I literally spent the whole summer rocking J. Cole. I mean, it's to the point that I think at the time Josh was eight. So Power Trip is on this CD. And you, if you know Power Trip, you got your mute button on. Um, Miguel is on that song. And he sings a hook. And I'll never forget getting a phone call because my eight-year-old son is listening to the radio with his mom. And when the Miguel part comes up, I think it's what, if you tell me, go ahead, what's the? Would you believe me if I said I'm in love? Baby, Baby I want you, I need you. So my eight-year-old goes full throttle on that section in the car with his mother. My phone rang so fast. <laughs> He's like, what you got my baby listening to? I was like, what you talking about? He was like, um, Jay Cole is on and my son's singing, won't you tell me if you believe it? I was like, that's his song. She was like, what? I was like, hey, my bad. <laughs> like, he used to like that and he used to love, um, speaking of Raheem Devon, woman. He used to love that joint. No, we didn't. We we didn't mention Big Daddy Kane earlier. That's top tier too. Uh, Big Daddy Kane, KRS One, uh, Rakim. That's top tier in my book always. Right, right, right. I have Hello, a Cool J. Yeah, I got a, a list, and I separate my list. You got storytellers, you got lyricists, and you got rappers. When it comes to lyricism. I had somebody tell me, well, Lil Wayne's a better lyricist than anybody on your list. And I was like, well, my list goes KRS-One. KRS-One is number one. That's the number one lyricist. Two is Rakim. Three is Big Daddy Kane. Well, how are you going to have Big Daddy Kane over Jay-Z? I said, because Jay-Z's flow came from Big Daddy Kane, if you know what you're talking about. He used to be Big Daddy Kane. So let's not even go there. And I was like, Ice Cube over all of them. You know, over anybody that you got on your list. I said, that's four. I said, Wayne is, as dude tried to tell me, Wayne was number one overall. I said, I can name 25 rappers better than Lil Wayne all time. He's like, he the greatest all time. I said, I'm going to name 25. And I named 25. He didn't agree with my 25. He's like, man, no, you can't put him on there. I said, you talking all time. All right. So, hip hop moment. So let's alternate this because I'm curious on your list. Okay. And I don't want to be like one, two, three, because I think we might, there might be some intersection. Might not be. So my, my number three artist for this list, man, I think he had song of the year in 94, J. Rudy Damager. Okay. I can't hate on that. Number three, KG. Uh, are we talking all time? You can go wherever you want, brother. It's hip hop moment, so we 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 talking. Not, talk not everybody, not in everybody's playlist, not listened to all the time. Right, right. I'm gonna go with a newer one. Okay. I'm gonna say Young Gravy. That's just your, your son. Your son. Your son like him. 
Well, we both got into them at the same time. Okay, 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 okay. All right. Who did? I was definitely before you. That was. Yeah, I was about to say. I know that's. Was it? That's a. You got. You heard that. You ain't pick up Young Gravy. I I just so happened to not listen to him, and he was like, "Oh, you know about him?" I'm like, "Yeah, just recently started." Whatever, whatever. He always wants to take. Hey, hey, hey! (laughs) Your face right here is that great patch. That great patch tells me you ain't you ain't find Young Gravy first. I heard it. I heard. Uh. Nah, in, a, in a video, it was an Instagram reel, and I heard, and I was like, "What is that?" To him before I leave. Exactly. <laughs> Give the kid his credit. Okay, okay, he might have turned me on to it, but I turned him on to EV, so it don't matter. All right, so you go for your second number two. Underrated. Oh my gosh. He gonna say he raising his hand. He gonna say Denzel Curry. Him too, but I was gonna say Freddie Gibbs. Oh, Freddie Gibbs. He said Freddie Gibbs. I mean, oh, he can't contribute unless he wants. <laughs> uh, no, no, we I, I still got beef because he didn't do the show with me that that time. So nah, he can't he can't contribute unless he on screen. Mm-hmm. Put you your know, phone out, put the stream yard on, get in the studio so we can. Nah, come on, dog. <laughs> you cheating? That's how you you gonna contribute on the sideline. Uh, right, I'm sorry. For me, number two. I'm gonna go new again because I mean all my un- all my underrated ones are pretty new, and that's uh, Rico Nasty. Okay, I actually like her. Okay, see, you can tell that my son isn't into either one of these guys, so I'm, I'm in a whole different stratosphere. Nasty, that's my daughters can't stand her and Sweetie, Sweetie, okay. Sweetie, so so Sweetie, Sweetie, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> they can't. St- now she got a song with Hit Boy. I love it. It was on the Madden soundtrack, but I love the song. And it's like a, a piece of the song. I don't know what movie he got it from. I don't know who it is. But you know what? We could have gone five now. Yeah. If I going to be this young, oh, I'm good. So my two is Talib Kweli. I don't see. He's not underrated to me. Really? All right. So then. Yeah, he's, not, he's not underrated. Like he, him and most. Gangstar. All right. So Gangstar. Let's. Fun story for you and Gangstar, real quick. I'm gonna be real quick because we had like the hour two mark. I used to always go to the store to buy a Gangstar CD, and I'd always get distracted and buy something else. I felt bad, but yeah, that was that's my Gangstar moment. I gave you the short version. <laughs> so one. Now, see, I think you if you say you think Talib is up there, then this one might not work. My one is Big L. Mm. Slim, me and B had a, a conversation about Big L, me and the boss BJ, and we were talking about how he was getting ready to take over the game. He was going to be the greatest oh, yeah. of all time. He was going to change it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Cause I still I still remember that black CD with the silver L in the middle. That big picture album. Mm-hmm. Uh, which one was it? Deadly combination with him and Tupac. Now that was another pull up song. That, and then uh, listening to him uh, and Jay Z go back and forth on the '98 freestyle, not the '98 freestyle, the uh, Stretch and Bobito show, and. I was like, okay, listening to Jay Z rap then, 
and listening to Big L. Big L was light years ahead of Jay Z. Right. He he was light years ahead of. Him. Well, I always say that Jay Z's biggest um, impact on his career is the fact that Pac and Biggie died. And Big L, because right. Big L didn't die. Right. Uh, now if I got to pick number one, is we talking underrated? Jeez. Ooh, I got a topic for next week now. Mm. Even though he only did, I think, two albums. Most people wouldn't believe it. But I think Cool C was one of the most underrated artists in the early 90s. With Glamorous Life, I got a habit. That whole entire CD, I used to know it forward, backward, sideways. I had no business saying some of the stuff on that on that daggone album. But... Everybody say, what's your moment that you fell in love with the rap game or hip-hop? Right. Slick Rick, 1987, 88, treated like a prostitute. Mm. Of all things to, to, to fall in love with, yeah, it was that. I think mine was Children's Story, Slick Rick. First song I ever freestyled to. Okay. First one. Now, but... Let, let me let me say this. Gene Gray. I think take take Cool C off. Give me Gene Gray. Okay. Gene Gray as my most underrated as a producer and as a uh, as a as a uh, artist. Okay. Man. She got a song called Love Thirst. When we finish this, go look up Love Thirst. Just look up the instrumental. And just listen to the instrumental. I was thinking that I was a writer. I could write. I mean, come on, ho, ho, ho. I'm not. I'm not going to dis. Writers, you people can write because it's always your story. And the key I always tell people when you try to write is write your story. Don't write somebody else's. Yeah. So you can write. It's this is how you go through the whole process, man. Well, no. When I, when I say write, I mean I actually wrote. An entire, I wrote an entire song. I took yeah. her beats and wrote, and sat down. Two days, I wrote a whole entire song. That's the only thing I can't do. And but I just put it together as a freestyle, just like what I wanted my topic to be. And I wrote the beat on it. I was like, yeah, okay. And I took the love thirst instrumental and went with it. And I I feel like her music, her music is like so underrated because nobody really knows. About Jean Grey, you gotta really be into her. And uh, if you've ever played Midnight Club dub, dub Edition, Midnight Club Three Dub Edition, when you go in the garage, going crazy plays, and that's one of the instrumentals. And to listen to that song and threats and haters out an anthem, everything that she puts out, like she is just beast, man. She, I, I love her. What's the song you talking about? Oh, the, the, for the instrumental? No, you said Jean Grey. It was something else that you said. One of the uh, top songs. Crazy. Okay, well, damn, she got more than that, then. Cause oh, she got a lot of a lot of songs, but she's underrated. Like on Dub Edition, she was one of the main, the main, uh, the main contributors to the soundtrack to that. Because she had a lot of instrumentals on it. Her, 
Anderson Pop. Now, now he, on a Saturday, yeah. Anderson <laughs> Pop and um, keep it. Oh man, boy. Bruno Mars and Anderson Pop, boy. Them my boys. Yeah. Bruno Mars and Gorilla. Mm. Ain't that right, Lovey? There you go. Bruno Mars and Gorilla. About to start it. <laughs> all she did was start giggling. Yeah, buddy. Oh, boy. All I can say is that woman loves her silverback. Don't you, baby? Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think we need to go ahead and end this show. I, I'm trying to keep the show on the rails as much as we can, bro. <laughs> You're the lowest focus already. We, but you, you look at it. You know what's funny? What's that? Like I, this is the reason why I, I like doing like certain things like this because you know people or you talk to people, but you never know what their their choices are, like their song choices. So I'm thinking. Since we're in the in the dog days of the summer, either Thursday or next Tuesday, you go with your top three artists that left the group. Okay. Okay. I don't know if we do that Thursday or we do that Tuesday. I'm gonna leave that to you. We we got we got business to handle on Tuesday. Well, business to handle on, on Thursday because we could do another. 20 items that dance might have messed up or we liked about it. So yeah, let's leave that for next Tuesday. So next Tuesday is top three artists that left a group. So we're talking about so any member of Wu Tang on your list. No, right there. You just throw I mean, them. You could, but I'm just saying you can go with any of them there. So, so let's do this. So you can't use meth. Um, and are we talking hip hop? Or are we talking any genre? Song and hip hop. Okay, hip hop. See, all right, all right, never mind. Because I, I was about. I know you about to, your first one's gonna be Teddy P. No, first one's gonna be David Ruffin. I knew you. I, I forgot. I'm sorry. I forgot I was talking to David Ruffin. Then Eddie Kendricks after that. See, nah, Teddy P. Live in Paris singing lady. That I, gets played sometimes too. I, Dog, I, I, ain't I, nothing doper than that. Oh, I, I, I'll give you that. But have you ever done Intimate Friends by Eddie Kendricks? You know what? I'll give you that one now. I'll go ahead and that will be my homework for this evening. <laughs> Intimate Friends and uh Girl, you need to change your mind. You can fight society. All right. That man said, you can fight society, but don't fight loving me. Baby. Add it to the library. Add it to the library. Um, And then my number three would be Bootsy College. Okay. So so, so, so we're going to stay in the, stay in hop, in hip hop. Okay. In hip hop. I got you. Um, let me write that down so I don't deviate. Yeah, and it's like, well, that's not what it's supposed to be. Damn, I'm trying to think now. How many people left groups to have success as a solo artist? Plenty. Oh, yeah, yeah. We got, I already know the top three. So we got to go five. 
Because you can't have three. I okay. ain't know three off the top of my head just without even thinking about it. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Jack in the crack. Jack in the crack. <laughs> All right. We come to the end of the show. Uh, let me ask this question before we get out of here. You say something. Everybody about- know you hid the money from the robbery. Don't you think it's about time to be coming up with my cash? I'm sorry. <laughs> you said something earlier. Well, All I right. want to do this really, really quick. All right. Do you think the Heisman Trophy has lost its luster? Like, no. if you're the best player in, in college football, why is the Heisman Trophy winner nine times a ten not picked in the top five uh, picks anymore? Okay, and, so that's, that's not exactly true right now because we're on a trend where they're being quarterbacks. So because this is a quarterback hungry league, you know, Bryce Young won the Heisman. He's there and he got picked the one overall. Um, Baker Mayfield's won the Heisman. He's one overall. So, so I think the better question is like, how come they haven't found NFL success um, at the same level in college? And I would venture to say that, I felt bad for Baker that last year in Cleveland because I felt like his receivers let him down. I feel like they dropped passes on them in situations. And as a quarterback, if you if you know and you understand with a quarterback, sometimes you struggling to get in the rhythm. And all you need is that one that you throw on the money to be get caught. And then now that's uh now I'm feeling good. You know what I'm saying? Like I I seen guys like if you pay attention, like every quarterback when they start feeling Good, they got like mannerisms. Some jokers, they already they go into the hands no matter what with the cadence. You know what I'm saying? Blue twenty, blue twenty. Uh, 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 you know what I'm saying? Get your hands out, boom, you're ready to go because you in that vibe and that rhythm. Um, and I felt like Jason Campbell had those moments at times to go stay Redskins. Like I think he had moments where he was locked in, and I think at times his receiving core sometimes let him down with drops and things of that nature. Um, I think also their defense let them down. Uh, but Heisman quarterbacks, Heisman running running backs are tough because I think we're going so far from the running back, and I think we're starting to see this because everybody understands that um, the Shanahan way is the way. It's the way and the light, and the light of the truth. You know what? We need to talk about that on Thursday. Some comments are made about running backs, so we need to pencil that in for Thursday. Okay. Most definitely, because I, I want to hear you. Your- yell- this is the one. This is the episode where, where you're going to be upset with me, but I got you. I already know you're standing. Yeah. But I'll put that graphic up on Thursday. Uh, but for every Bryce Young you have, you have a Geno Toretta, a guy that was picked. Right, but, right, right, right. You know, that never got a chance to play. But I think, I think also you got to remember, like, I think back then the Heisman was different because – it was more about the stage that the guys were on. I think now there are more guys, more quarterbacks, because I'm going to say it that way, more quarterbacks that get the opportunity to win the award. Um, the kid from TCU, which I didn't think he was – I think he had some great moments, but TCU was behind or trailed a lot last season, and they just came back. So when they played Georgia, I was like, if they not in this ballgame in the first 10 minutes, they gonna, it's going to be a long night. Because uh, Georgia defense is too good and too special. Um, but, yeah, I think that's the thing with the Heisman. I think recently there's some recency bias in the guys being picked earlier. 
So I don't know if that narrative actually fits. I think more of the narrative is them finding success in the league. Yeah, because I mean, you look look at your Heisman Trophy winners from '89 on with the quarterback. Let's, let's stay in the last five because we in there wrap that shit shit up. Be part of the show. Okay, I, I went back because I, I I wanted to say something about Ty Deppman. I, I got a beef with Ty Deppman. <laughs> oh boy, seriously, but he shouldn't have won the Heisman. But um. Mariota, Jamal right. Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Joe Bur- Joe Burrow's got success, and Bryce Young. We uh, we're gonna really see him this season. So he's kind of incomplete. Baker has had flashes. Um, Mariota, an injury. I think Mariota just showed us last year that he just can't throw. Like I don't know what happened. I don't know what it is, but. There's no way Kyle Pitts should have like a touchdown or zero touchdowns. Um, I think Drake London saved them a couple times. And with the team that they have and the running game they're going to have, I mean, Atlanta's a team to watch. I said it last year, but I, I'm going to say it every year, especially with B. John Robinson. Um, I'm not going to say because I'm not really a big, big B. John Robinson fan if you paid attention to this. You know, I don't really like the kid that much. Um, Says the guy that was just like, you got to draft Bijan Robinson. You, I'm telling you, he's a dog. I watched tape on him. Dog, best runner. Oh, so I'm going to let you know right now. Next year, he plays. It's, we're going to stay in Texas. His name is Quinn Ewers, 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 whatever you want to call it. E-W-E-R-S. You're going to hear me say his name a whole bunch of times. when We do shows after college football Saturday. So might as well get ready. All right. The backup or the next guy that might get some love from me is Hudson Card. Again, a kid from Texas. But he's at Purdue now. Another kid that might get some love from me. I'm sorry. I I only had nothing to say. But we come to the end of it. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, Man, this is from the the top to the bottom, all the music. From the rooter to the tootie. And everything in between. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your Tuesday evening. That's the Midnight Rider. I'm the big guy, KG. We don't do no overtime, y'all. We are out of here.